Hello, my name is Dr. Samuel Kim. And I'm Sharon Kim. And welcome to Research Sense for Korean American Therapy, a podcast that removes barriers and gives you a rundown of the latest Korean American mental health research. Today's article is entitled Transmission of Intergenerational Migration Legacies in Korean American Families Parenting the Third Generation. It was authored by Lana Kim, Carmen Nutson Martin, and Amy Tuttle. This was published in 2019. And oh my gosh, this was such an interesting article, Sharon. How did you it find was. this? It was very, very interesting. I think we're saying this because we read a lot of research articles on when it comes to Korean American mental health. We read a lot of research articles on first generation and intergenerational conflict between first and second generation. But we don't read a lot of research articles on second generation and the next generation and how they're raising the next generation. Yeah, I loved how this article started. The very first sentence of the abstract says, therapists are expected to practice cultural awareness. It's like, oh my gosh, that captures your attention right away. And then it says, however, there's limited guidance on what this means when working with second or third generation families. This is really exciting because I haven't seen a lot written about the third generation Korean Americans. And I think that's something we don't really talk much about. And it's important because there's a lot of second generation Korean Americans who are, I mean, I hate to say it, we're getting older yeah. and we're now having families, we're having kids. And so the question of what did we gain from our first generation parents and what are we passing down to the next generation? I think is such an important question. Yes, I think that's exactly, you captured the research question really well there. You know, first generation parents are very different from second generation. We tend to stigmatize or stereotype our second generation by looking at them with first generation lenses because all the research that, that is out there is all about first generation. And so this research was trying to answer the, the question of when second generation Korean Americans become parents, what do they go through and how do they raise the next generation? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a big question. And I think it's seeing the second generation Korean Americans in a new light. It's almost as if Hey, we see you. We see you getting older. I mean, I hate to say that. Sorry, but we see you getting older. We see that you're becoming parents. Mm -hmm. What you're going through is different from what your parents went through as first generation parents. And let's dig a little bit deeper into it because I really liked how this article laid the foundation and context for the study as well. So let's jump into what is the background? So the background is, and I loved how the writers set the tone for those is how first-generation immigrant parents were more likely to be all about survival. So their focus was not parenting, not success, whatever it was, but it was on providing financially for their children. That was their main goal. And then for the second generation, because they were able to be more Americanized, more educated, they have more social mobility, I think the writers are saying that second generation grow up to have a more multicultural perspective. And they're still, though, considered a forever foreigner, which really made me really sad when I saw that. I was like, yeah, you're right. I do experience this where I'm seen as a perpetual foreigner. Yeah, I remember growing up when I think it was in high school, when I visited Korea, I was in such shock because, oh, my gosh, there's all of these people here who look like me. Yes. But I remember people saying like, oh, 
that's the family member from America. Oh, he's the American. Oh, that's the one from the United States. And I was like, oh, I'm not one of you. I'm considered a foreigner here where I thought I would feel like I belong because I look like the people there. Whereas when I was growing up in rural Georgia, everyone saw me as someone who was very, very different because I didn't look like any of the people there. And so aside from the racial slurs or even people who are just being nice and curious, it almost felt like I had to explain why I was different to other yeah. people. And it's like you're living in between worlds, right? On the margin of each, but a member of neither. I, I love that quote. Oh my um, gosh, that was such an amazing quote from the article, wasn't it? On the margins of each, so each culture, the US and Korea, but a member of neither. And I think that yeah. really gets to the heart of the idea of we second generation Korean Americans, we just don't feel like we really have a home. Uh, we don't have a place to really call home. I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier from the article that said the first generation of Korean Americans, their focus was on survival. They just came to a new country. And what was so important about that survival piece is financially providing for the family. And so a lot of the focus was on their businesses, working, providing for the family so that the children could get good educations and such. And um, I think we'll talk a little bit about later, but one of the interviewees mentioned uh, how their parent just never felt like they were around um, because they were always working and there's a lot of emotional pain from that. But looking back, it's like, oh, that's why certain opportunities were afforded to me because they were working, they were providing for those things financially. But there are differences because second generation Korean Americans have moved up, in other words. They have really assimilated into the culture and now they are enjoying some upward mobility uh, with their fluency, with the opportunities that they have going to university. And so there are differences, but there are also similarities at the same time, aren't there? Yeah, there are similarities. And I think one of the things that the article mentions is honoring the older generation, reciprocating that, you know, parental care, where filial piety is such a big cultural concept in Korea, where parents are supposed to take care of their children, then their children in turn, when they grow up, are supposed to take care of their parents. And that is still seen in our second generation parents, where they also, you know, even though they are more Americanized than their first-generation parents, they still feel like they are indebted to their parents' sacrifice and want to return that favor, return what the sacrifice that the parents have given them by taking care of their first-generation parents. Yeah, I remember when I was uh, got my very first job as a professor out in Kentucky, uh, I think it was one of my uncles told me, you do know you're supposed to give your first salary or your first paycheck to your parents, right? I'm like, That's a what? thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so <clears throat> that uncle gave me these really fancy money envelopes and was very particular in saying, do not give them a check. You have to go cash it and bring cash to them. They did not know that. Wait, this is a thing? Do I need to iron the bills? <laughs> and little old me, I gave it to my parents thinking, oh no, it's okay. You can have it. And I remember sitting there and it's like, you're not giving it back. It's like, oh no, this is ours. <laughs> they didn't think... refuse it. They were like, okay, this is rightfully mine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the 20 years that I suffered raising you. <laughs> I think 
I'm pretty sure my mom ended up buying a golf club with it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think, but it's also a joy as a, I, I think as a child, adult child for me to be able to provide back for my parents, to be able to do those grand gestures of, I, not that I do very often, but um, grand gestures of, hey, mom, here's a credit card. Go use it. Go crazy. To be able to do that just brings me so much joy in the sense that, okay, I, I am being a good daughter because that's how I was raised. That that was my cultural background. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I even growing up in the U.S. in rural Georgia, I grew up knowing the story of, oh, gosh, I can't remember the title in Korean, but it's the filial piety of Shincheong. Oh, yeah. The story, children's story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And even there, that idea of honoring your parents and giving back is such a central theme to that children's story. And I remember thinking, wow, this was imbued into me ever since I was very little. Well, so how was the research conducted? Who were the research participants and how did the authors try to answer their question? Yeah, so it's this study is actually part of a larger study that was being done. We don't have too many details on what the larger study is, but they interviewed 20 second generation Korean Americans from the U.S. and Canada doing semi-structured interviews. So if our listeners have been listening to our other episodes, you know that semi-structured interviews, there is an interview protocol with certain questions you ask, but you're free to kind of move around and ask follow-up in different ways, especially if you hear something interesting. Most are from Southern California, and they used what's called snowball sampling. And I don't know if our listeners are familiar with that. That's simply asking or finding a participant and doing the study with them. And then at the end, asking them, hey, do you know anyone else who would also want to participate and who would be good for the study? And reaching out to them, and that's called snowballing because you see one, then you meet another, and it just continues to grow and grow. Yeah. The other qualification is that they had to have children between the ages of zero and 10. And the mean age of the women is about 36 years and the men is about 38 years. And I remember seeing that thinking, it's like, oh, they're so much older. And then I realized, oh, that's my age. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it was interesting. I, I loved reading the interview questions that, you know, some of the interview questions that, that the writers brought up as a sample. So. You know, some of the sample questions were, how do you view your role in the parent-child relationship? Or what kind of things do you tend to focus on most when you parent? Are there specific goals or aspirations you have for your kids? All these questions for me were really difficult and tough questions. And I was really interested to find out what the participants mentioned and what the results were. Yeah. And so they did these interviews asking these very probing, deep questions and likely doing some sort of follow-up with them. And then the question comes, well, what did they find? What did these researchers find in their study? Well, through the interviews, they read and reread and probably reread and reread all of these answers that they were getting. And they had many meetings, I'm sure, with their co-authors to figure out, okay, did you see the same thing or did you read this the same way that I read it? Um, and they came up with three kind of big overarching themes. The first is looking back on the first generation's parents' experience. The second, exploring the meaning of being a second generation Korean American. And third, fostering that contextual awareness in third generation children. I loved, I don't know if they did this intentionally, but I love that it, it's a way to think about the past, the present, and the future. 
right? You're oh, thinking I didn't about see that. Yeah, oh, wow. so they think about their past parents' experience, and then they're also contemplating on their experience of the present, what it means to be a second generation Korean American, Korean Canadian, uh-huh. and then the third theme was, you know, in the future, how do I want to raise my children? Interesting. That's wow. That was really insightful, Sharon. My goodness, I did not see that. And it makes so much sense with what we're seeing there. Let's let's take a slightly deep, uh, deeper dive into the first one. Looks back on the first generation's parents' experience. Uh, there was a quote that I think exemplifies the themes that were in here. The first one was Anne talking about her mother. And she said, my mom experienced things that I didn't have to. The language barrier, moving to a new country as an adult and raising kids here. I didn't have to go through that. So we're different in that way. I have a lot of compassion for her for that. Uh, we see this over and over in research where second generation Korean Americans reflect a lot about their parents' sacrifice um, after they become adults. And we talked about this in other episodes as well. So this is something that we've seen before and that we are seeing across studies where they're reflecting on the experiences of the first generation and coming out with a redemptive narrative out of that. It, it's really remarkable to think about. And it's not just all reflections of the past, but as you said, it's thinking about the present and who they are as well. So what does it mean to be a second generation Korean American? And there's two sub themes within this that I thought were really interesting. The first is claiming the dominant culture or being a member of the dominant culture. And then the second sub theme is kind of reconstructing that connection with that cultural heritage. Another way to say that, or the way I understood that to mean was that there is this dual identity going on inside the second generation's uh, heart or mind, right? Where they are claiming the dominant culture. They, they're more, they know that they're more Americanized than their parents, but then they also want to keep that cultural heritage that their parents have passed down to them or have not passed down. And they want to explore a little bit more of what it means to be Korean. And so I think there was that duality living inside them. And I love that. Yes, there is that weird duality. Here's some quotes to illustrate that duality. The first one is from Sylvia and talking about being treated as non-American. My parents always raised me to not make waves when it came to racism. They always told me to be quiet, to not say anything, and to move on and just make sure I work harder. But I'm not an immigrant. I was born and raised here, and I see no need for me to keep my mouth shut. And so I'm very vocal about it because I need to be there for my kids. So I don't let that slide at all. That was so powerful to read. It's like, I'm not letting this go because... Of my I'm not an immigrant. Yes. When Even though this said, is what I was I'm told not to an do. immigrant. Right. Oh, that was so powerful. I was like, oof, yes, we're not immigrants. <laughs> we can speak up. We can say something. Yeah. We yeah. have the right to do that. I love that. It was a really powerful moment. I think the next theme, as we talked about, is where they go from thinking about what their parents experience was like, thinking about what that means for them as a second generation Korean American, and then going forward to, so how do they want to raise their children? And one thing that was interesting, but it made sense, I think, after reading this, was that they wanted to teach respect 
for diversity, for differences to their children. That was the one of the main themes that came out when the researchers asked the participants, so what are you teaching? What values are you teaching your children? And right, how do you want your children to grow up? And that was interesting. I was like, I did not expect that to be one of the things that they parents, but then it also made sense. Because if you think about all the things that the, you know, perpetual foreignness that second generation go through, one parent, Michelle said, I want my kids to be open-minded. I don't want them to discriminate based on outward appearances, race, or whatever. To respect others' ideas, their views, that I'm conscious of. And so I think that was really good in the sense that parents are aware of what they went through, what their parents went through, and they don't want that to happen, their children to become like that. Yeah, there's so much self-reflection that's happening in these interviews, and they're being very conscientious about how they want to pass on certain ideals. And it's not necessarily just the ideals of their first-generation parents. It's this mix, and it's a, in my own personal humble opinion, I think it's a very beautiful mix of honoring the previous generation while mixing in the things that they've learned from this dominant culture that they're living in right now. And they're kind of putting this cultural pudichige and giving it to their children. For people who don't know what pudichige is, what is that? It's, I guess it's translated army stew. Yes. That's almost like a hodgepodge of like different ingredients that come in super spicy, but it is incredibly delicious. Like They'll, they'll put ramen noodles in it. Sometimes they'll have rice cakes, kimchi, um, hot dogs, or my personal favorite. And I hope this doesn't turn off any of our listeners. Spam in it. It's like oh, you I have love to have spam. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. So I think through this research article, what are some things that you took away, Dr. Sam? On what are the implications for therapy, for our therapists out there listening? or even for our second generation parents or parents-to-be, what are some implications that we can think about? Yeah, there's so much that was discussed within this article. And what I would hope that someone who is doing therapy, and frankly, anyone who's listening that works with people from a background different from theirs, to appreciate that there are nuances in understanding diverse and multicultural families. Just because I'm a second generation Korean American, it does not mean that I carry all of the Koreanness through everything that I do. I think there can be an assumption that a second generation Korean American family is carrying on all of the ethnic traditions and the current and the cultural parenting ideals. And that's may not necessarily be true, or we may not be conscious of what we're carrying through and what we're not carrying through. And I think as a therapist, it'll be really important to take a step back and to inquire curiously to see how is this person shaping their world? How is this person viewing their world? I love how you phrased it, inquiring curiously, being curious, right? Not assuming or making, um, creating a stereotype out of, oh, okay, you're a second-gen Korean-American. This is what you must have gone through. But to be able to ask them, for instance, what does being second-generation mean to you? How do you see yourself culturally? What life experiences have shaped you or informed your beliefs and approaches to parenting? And how does that compare to the way your parents have parented you? I, I think those are good questions to start with to get to know your mm -hmm. clients. It's 
one thing I really appreciate about the authors of this paper is that they included these. They included yes. these questions to ask and for you to dive deeper. And so I'm going to read a few more of the questions that suggested here, because I think this is really helpful for those who are providing therapy or even those who are just wanting to inquire curiously. Uh, some of the other questions are, do you think any of these differences related to your family's mixed migration status? Are there circumstances in which you feel caught between uh, competing sets of values or ideas? What helps guide your decisions in the parenting process? How do your extended family members relate to you around your parental beliefs? What parenting ideas and goals are most important for you? That is awesome. I love that. Yeah, like you said, they included those questions. And I hope that you will take this to be able to kind of be creative with even your friends, your second generation Korean American friends, clients, um, whoever you're talking to. I think it doesn't have to be Korean American, but anyone, right, that you could to get to know them a little bit better. Well, that brings us to the end of our 10th episode. And believe it or not, this brings us to the end of our first season. We decided that we yeah. wanted to take a break. Don't worry, we're not just lounging around and being lazy. We are very, very keen on finding some good studies that relate to Korean Americans. So we want to take time to look for these studies that are out there. It's Sometimes it's like looking for a needle in a haystack and sometimes they just pop up, but we want to find some good ones for the next season. So we'll be taking a little break, but please come back to listen to us and make sure that you have subscribed so that you'll get notifications when we're back with our next episode. We're excited to see you back later for season two. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our episode, please subscribe to our podcast and check out more at mustardseedgeneration.org and samuelykim.com. To keep these episodes coming, rate and share on wherever you listen to this podcast.